occult crimes, paranormal investigations, urban legends, and strange happenings. Welcome to Myths, Magic, and Murder. <laughs> Hey, welcome back to Myths, Magic and Murder. I'm Abby. I'm Kate. This is episode 13, where I'm going to be talking about zombies. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the Ripper crew. Okay. What's your favorite zombie film, Kate? Probably Zombieland. I'm, I'm a sucker for it. It's really good. Why? Comedic effect. Um, I also like that there are the rules in it. So like, check the backseat, do your cardio, that kind of thing. I like it because I feel like if there was a zombie apocalypse, I would make rules for myself. Fair enough. Sound like a right nerd. <laughs> <laughs> there has to be order in chaos. How about you? Uh, probably Shaun of the Dead. Oh, that's a good one. I like that we both went for uh, scary, non-scary films, sorry. Comedy films. Well, there aren't that many. I mean... There th are a lot. Don't say that. No, I was going to say there aren't that many that take themselves wholly seriously. Really. Because even in like... Um, you know, like Dawn of the Dead and stuff. There's still sort of comedic aspects. 28 Days Later? I haven't seen it. But, like, I mean, like, in proportion to each other, there is more sort of of a comedy element to do with zombies because, I mean, if you look at a zombie, like, the way it, like, runs, it's it's kind of comedic. It's like the shell of a person, isn't it? Anna in the Apocalypse. Oh, goodness. What a, what a festive Christmas film. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah, I think Shaun of the Dead's my favourite. I think it's just one of those films where, like, it always makes me feel good, you know? Especially when that guy gets dragged through that window. It's just such a fun film. I love it. Intestines everywhere. Fun-loving. So, yeah, I'm going to talk about zombies, which is why I said that. This is not just completely random. I'm going to talk about a bunch of stuff, whether they could be real, and we're going to explore that. So my sources are, is it live science or live science? I've never know. known this. I'm going to ask you now. I would say... I always say live, but now I I'm would, looking at I it. I would say live. Okay, well, you, know, you are live science, live science. Sciencenewsforstudents.com, crack.com, globalnews.ca, gizmodo.com, bbc.com, coronite.com, zombiepedia, Miami News Times, technology.com, and nytimes.com. Wait, zombiepedia? Yes. People have got too much time on their hands. <laughs> Wikipedia for zombies, isn't it? So, zombies are super big in pop culture, and if you aren't into pop culture, and you have no idea what a zombie is for some reason, they're basically reanimated corpses who want to eat human flesh, and in some cases, their brains are the desired part of the human that they want to eat. Unless you're a zombie from warm bodies, in which case you can be human again. <laughs> Spoilers. Complex film. <laughs> so... Yeah, the, the zombie kind of changes from film to film. They're popular in like games and TV and everything like that. And they can vary from being slow and staggering and some sprint and some puke. And they're all equally horrific. The sprinting ones are awful. They are the worst. They scare me so bad. I don't know. Um, Have you done? I know that I'm butting in immediately, like I always do, asking questions that you've probably saved till the end. But have you done anything on the zombies from the game The Last of Us? No. So you want to talk about them? Yeah, just real quick. They have, because um, you were saying about the different types of zombie. They've got like, you know, sort of ones that like walk around or run or whatever. And you've also got ones that have sort of been um, 
zombies for however long and they have kind of i think it's like a fungal thing in the last of us and but they basically can't see because they've got like a whole bunch of stuff growing on their head so they use like echolocation kind of so they'll walk around they're called clickers because they go like you've just triggered like four people's fight or flight response to like see if they can like see you i guess so like if you move or like if you make a sound they'll come like running towards you and like scream horrific yeah it's it's a really good game though 10 out of 10 love it well now we've finished promoting that game <laughs> we'll continue <laughs> that old game. no i haven't written about that it's playstation's game of the decade but um yeah no i haven't really it's just interesting how many types there are there are so many types that i didn't bother getting into all of them Fair. i feel like if you're into zombies you probably know about them and yeah. if you're not now's a good opportunity to go learn so the zombie craze took off when the 1968 film night of the living dead was released but the first zombie film ever made was white zombie which starred bela lugosi huh who was also dracula bela luigi Kate always calls him that and I just don't know why. <laughs> it's because I misread it. Oh, right. Time. I thought you were just being funny. No. <laughs> Me? Never. White Zombie featured a voodoo priest in Haiti who zombifies a young woman. Since this film, like, hardly any films have went back to their Haitian roots, but belief in magic and witchcraft is widespread throughout Haiti and the Caribbean, often in the form of voodoo. Mm-hmm. Haitian zombies were thought to be something people brought back from the dead through voodoo priests, and sometimes this was done as punishment, but often for slave labour, for farming and plantations. In 1980, one mentally ill man claimed to have been held captive as a zombie worker for two decades, though he couldn't lead investigators to where he'd worked, so his story was never verified. So this is kind of the OG zombie. As a zombie worker? What does that mean? Okay, like a slave. Like a slave labour. You know, he was a zombie, oh, and they right. made him work. Okay. For free. I thought he meant like he was a zombie doing some work for the zombies, but no, he was just incaptured by zombies. No, he was made a zombie. Are you listening to what I'm saying? You always do this. I'm confused already. Okay, so voodoo, mm -hmm. the belief of the zombies is that they are used, like voodoo priests make people into zombies so that they can control them and make them do slave labor. Yeah, that's what I was confused about. He's saying that he was a zombie. Like, is he not a zombie anymore? No. Why? Because he snapped out of it. Okay. He snapped out of voodoo. Yeah. Okay. Six minutes in and Kate's already being difficult. <laughs> Debunked. <laughs> in the 1980s, I think I put 1980s, but I think I meant 1980s, a scientist named Wade Davis claimed to have found a powder that could create zombies. He didn't believe in voodoo magic. But he found that this powder could poison victims into a zombie-like state. Is the powder meth? No. It's a powerful neurotoxin called <clears throat> oh, tetrodotoxin. I've got a couple, couple things like that in here, so please bear with me. Okay. This is a poisonous compound found in several animals, including in the ovaries of pufferfish. Hmm. Mrs. Puff is a zombie. <laughs> Confirmed. It's possible that this powder would uh, return people into zombies but it wouldn't resurrect them from the grave so it would make them into a zombified state where they could be controlled and like be brain dead essentially okay that's interesting but I it wouldn't make them into an undead zombie why do the pufferfish have got that that poison thing in them yeah well this is kind of like that yeah okay 
Davis wrote a book on the topic that was later turned into a horror film. It's called The Serpent and the Rainbow. I haven't seen it. Have you seen it? No, of course I haven't. Why would we <laughs> talk about it? For a while, he was thought to have solved the mystery of zombies, but he was later challenged by a sceptical scientist who thought his methods were unscientific and the samples of the zombie powder were inconsistent. Too much of the powder would basically kill someone, but not enough wouldn't work. So oh. it's it's a lie, basically. Like There's no proof that it would do that. Mm-hmm. There are, however, proven zombies in the world of the insects. Ew. Little bugs. So, this is interesting, really, because I haven't played The Last of Us, but what you were saying... Why are you smiling? Sorry, you said little bugs, and all I could think of was my rap name. Is that your, is that your rap name? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, this is kind of what reminds me of that, I guess. Maybe that's what it was based on, because ants have a fungus that spreads from one to another and it kind of hijacks their brains and there are like zombie spiders and cockroaches and they're controlled by wasp larvae and they basically as if spiders weren't bad enough already yeah they basically babysitters for the unborn babies of the wasps so this is cool in a video i watched it was like the wasp larvae was on the spider and it was forcing it to spin a web to protect the babies and then after they'd hatched, they ate the spider. Wasps are the worst animal. Like, I know that spiders suck. I mean, I'm sorry if you like spiders, but I have a huge fear of them. I know that some are cute. Like, don't try and come at me with that argument because I know I've seen them. Some are sweet, but I don't want them anywhere near me. But wasps, they don't even serve a purpose. At least spiders eat flies. What if do you like do? wasps? I'm sorry that Kate is just ripping them to pieces. Literally, I don't understand what they do. What do they do? They serve no purpose. All they do now is zombify other bugs. But it's cool, right? That's the thing that happens. And like parasites like this are found in a bunch of other animals too, like beetles, fish, worms, rats. Rats. Anyway. Could a zombie apocalypse actually happen? I'll talk more about rats in a second. Well, I guess now, yeah. Now that I know about all of that. Yeah, well, I'm going to talk about some possible explanations as to why that could happen. So first of all, brain parasites. Here we go. Pretty much what I just explained with the bugs, but with people. There's this one parasite called Toxoplasma gondii that affects rats, but can only breed inside the intestines of a cat. So the parasite knows it needs to put the rat in a cat, so it forces the rat to scurry towards the cats, kind of like it's programmed to get itself eaten, so that it can be inside the intestines so that it can breed. I'm confused again. So, is the thing in the rat or is it in the cat? It's in the rat, but it can only breed inside the cat. Okay, so you're telling me that zombie rats basically just kill themselves? Yes. Oh, spooky. Half the human population is infected with this. Cool. You can get it through handling soil or cat litter. And it doesn't do much to most people, but if the weaker it starts to grow uncontrollably, it's why pregnant people are told not to touch cat litter. Huh. You you have a higher chance of having a personality change, if you have this, and there's been some links to schizophrenia, because pregnant women who have a high amount of this stuff in their bodies are more likely to have children who suffer from schizophrenia. Is that why we have, like, crazy cat ladies, do you think? Maybe. I know that I'm, like, I'm reaching a bit, but, like, if you can link schizophrenia to being a cat owner 
then maybe the trope of crazy cat lady stems from that. Cat anyway, I don't think that this means that anything bad is going to happen, but it is quite interesting to know that there's a link there. We're all going to die. <laughs> so the next thing I'm going to mention is mad cow disease. Oh, I love that. And if you've watched the movie 28 Days Later, which I know that you haven't because you just said that, this is kind of that idea. Well, I don't think I have. I might have, but... This movie is like, there's a virus that's going around that turns humans into mindless killing machines. Mm-hmm. And in real life, we have this thing called mad cow disease. I'm aware I'm sure of you're it. aware of. And it attacks the cow's spinal cord and brain, which turns it into a mindless attack cow. <laughs> and then humans eat the cow. We're vegetarians, so we're safe from this. So we don't need to worry about <laughs> yeah, this possible arising. Yeah, eating zombies. <laughs> when mad cow gets in humans, the symptoms are changes in walking, hallucinations, lack of coordination, twitching, seizures, and rapidly developing dementia. Okay. It's a pretty rare disease, but if it evolved and got through the food supply, it could easily like spread through developing... Um, through like combining bodily fluids, which means it could be transmitted through biting people. And then you got a zombie apocalypse. Hmm. See, there's a there's a flaw in the plan there. What's the flaw? The this isn't a plan. I'm not planning this. No, I know, but I mean, like in the in the kind of idea. Just because you have, like, seizures and onset dementia doesn't mean you want to go around chomping on everyone you see. And it also, I feel like the crux of a zombie, is the feasting on human flesh slash brain. Okay. Mad cow disease does not make you do that. It just makes you get early onset dementia, walk weird. You know what else did that? You know what else changed your gait? Shell shock after World War One. Not the same as PTSD. Sorry, slight sidebar. But you can't compare these things to zombieism. It's not the same. Okay. They're not cannibalistic. So That's this the is the point. biggest one that I have. And you might find this one a bit more interesting. Okay. It is more out there. Mm-hmm. Oh but, god, it's aliens again, isn't it? <laughs> but they all are, because this is a zombie podcast. Well, a zombie <laughs> segment of a podcast. We're mm-hmm. changing the whole show. It's just <laughs> This is neurogenesis. You familiar? Um I no, I don't think so. So this is basically scientists who are trying to use stem cells to regenerate dead cells. And oh. this specifically is regrowing dead brain tissue. Okay. So they're already able to regrow the brains of trauma patients in comas until they're awake and like walking around and stuff, which is so cool. But there's this thing scientists have been working on where they keep a dead body in a state of suspended animation so they can be brought back late. That's been tested on dogs and stuff. And this is basically so that like if someone has a fatal injury and you bring them to hospital, they can have more time to like heal them before they bleed out or something. But another lab did some research and found out that this is a super bad idea because it causes the brain to die off from the outside in. And the outside of the brain is kind of like the nice part with the personality and stuff. (laughs) I love that you're explaining this to a literal psychology graduate. (laughs) Yeah, but we have an audience. So that's the nice bit of the brain. And then the (laughs) core of the brain is like primitive instincts and motor function. Yeah. Right? (laughs) As a psychologist, you agree that that's it? Yep. That's definitely a version of it. So if you couple these things together, you get a reanimated person who's grown back their brainstem and is able to walk around and has insects, but like no personality and no humanity. So they're basically just that. And that's super unlikely to happen. But it could, 
Well, it's not actually. So um, there was a case study that we learned about in psychology, and it's not so much to do with, um, you know, medicine intervening, but there was a guy called Thomas Gage, I think, and he basically used to work on the railroad. He was like a super lovely guy, whatever. And then, um, you know, those huge railway spikes that keep the track down? Yes. One of those flew off and went straight through his head. Oh. Yeah. And it severed like through the prefrontal cortex, which is the out bit that makes you nice. And, <laughs> and, but it didn't affect sort of the core of the brain, I guess is what we're calling it now. So he then from that, he survived somehow. And from there, he was like super aggressive. He would like swear all the time. Like he had a complete personality change. So I guess it's not that out there to say that like, you know, the outside of the brain could die, leaving this kind of aggressive shell. And also if you're reanimating them, it's kind of like an undead zombie. Mm-hmm. Cannibalism coming in anywhere? Well, sort of. Uh-huh. <laughs> so I'm going to finish up soon, but I'm going to first talk about the 2012 Miami attack. Oh, loving Bartolt, man. Spoiler. <laughs> So people call this a real-life zombie attack. Um, it's a sort of a cannibalistic attack. It's really interesting. Um, so if you don't know about this, this is a man called Rudy Eugene who drove to Florida. In his Haitian, his car had a Haitian flag on it, which is super interesting, probably completely random, but since I just talked about that, cool tie, right? Interesting. Um, and he broke his, his car broke down along the way to like driving into Florida. So after spending 30 to 40 minutes on the site, he abandoned the car and started stripping himself of all of his clothes and his driving license. And we know this because of security footage. Mm -hmm. Rudy, who was by this point completely naked, found a homeless man called Ronald Popo. Basically, Rudy beat Ronald unconscious, removed his pants, and then bit off most of his face, including his left eye. This called Ronald to be left completely blind. A passing cyclist came upon the scene and alerted the police, and when told to stop by the police, Rudy ignored the victim their warnings and growled at the officer before eating more of the victim's face, and he ate around 70 to 80% of his face above the beard. Holy shit. Yeah. There'll be a photo on social media, obviously, if you don't want to see it, I don't look. I wouldn't be. My goodness. I just think it's interesting to kind of see just how much damage this guy did with his face, like with his teeth. He just ate this guy's face it's so weird why the face i don't know as well because i feel like it's not there's not a lot to the face you know what i mean yeah it's more just muscle he bit off his eye that's it's weird i can understand kind of with with zombies maybe going for the brain it's kind of got the most like nutrients or whatever you can go for but the face yeah, well, Rudy was shot dead by a Miami PD officer. Understandably. And the good news is that a fund was set up to treat the victim's medical bills, and he was allowed to stay in the medical facility indefinitely. So oh, he that's was, so lovely. He was having good. He's learning how to play guitar now. He's oh. okay. Um, and it's unclear what caused this, but for a while, everyone thought it was bath salts, which bath is what you guy. said. I don't really remember this happening. I sort of do. I remember people were talking about it in school. It was 2012, so I was, what, 15? It was a huge thing here. Yeah, know. it was a... I mean, I'm sure it was in America as well, because that's where it happened, but oh, yeah. people definitely talked about it here. Yeah. And everyone thought it was bath salts, but that's a street drug also, if you aren't aware. It's not actual bath salts. I always wondered. I had no idea. I thought he'd just been like, 
sniffing lines of that like glitter stuff you can pour in your no, mouth. It's a street drug. Right. And police thought it was bath salts because it, it makes you act like crazy. Mm-hmm. But when they tested his body, the only drug present was cannabis. Cannabis so obviously doesn't... Cannabis is destroying lives. And cannabis is a you know pretty sound drug. It's not going to... Well, it can be mixed with some pretty nasty stuff, but you know. But they would have found that. They yeah. just found cannabis. Yeah. That this man ate someone's face. That just makes you giggle. I mean, I haven't done anything, but if I had, I wouldn't be biting someone's face off. Yeah, weed isn't really a um, drug that's going to make you want to do cannibalism. No. I mean, I I don't know of any that are. Apparently, bath salts can make you pretty crazy, but... Apparently. So, he only had a crime history of cannabis and also violence against his ex-wife, like domestic violence, but that's it. So, why did this man eat someone's face? I don't know. I mean, I know that there are sort of red flags, you know, one crime doesn't come without the other. But I feel like he's a bit of a jump from... Face eating. Yeah. I don't know why he's done that. Um, Maybe... Zombies? Maybe he's a zombie. Yeah, but he just went for the face. There's no nutritional value. Maybe he liked eyes. I don't know. Maybe he liked eyes. Maybe he was trying to get to the brain. You, you wouldn't go in through the front, would you? You're going through the top. Everyone knows this. I've never thought about it. What do you mean everyone knows this? Well, like, if you think about a zombie eating a brain, you don't imagine him, like, going through the front doors of the face, do you? The front doors of the <laughs> face. You'd imagine, like, cracking him open like an egg. Same as the brain eater. The brain eater was spoilers. No, spoilers. The brain eater was not accurate. He did not eat a brain. We'll find out by listening to the brain eater episode. But no, I don't. I, I don't think it's zombieism. Why would he be the only one? Pretty wild though. Like his car just broke down, and then maybe it was just suddenly really he decided off. to get naked and eat someone's face. It's pretty chaotic. Maybe it was like um, hypnotism. Possibly. Bit out there, I know. But if you think back to the assassination of JFK. My God, this is not even similar. <laughs> no, but like he was he was brainwashed, wasn't he? Yeah. So, you know, people do crazy shit when they're brainwashed. Maybe. I don't know what purpose it would serve, though, if it's just a random homeless guy. Yeah, I don't know. Damn. I'm glad that he's doing okay, though. Yeah, me too. Poor guy. If we were in a zombie apocalypse, what would your weapon of choice be? Bear in mind we live in England, so we don't have any guns. Hmm. Probably. I don't know, because you don't want something to get stuck too easy. I'm thinking shovel. Oh, no. That just does blunt force trauma. You want something that's going to slide in, slide out. I'm thinking probably like a baseball bat with like a knife taped onto it. What if it gets like stuck in the head? Well, that's what I'm thinking. But if you hit someone already hell with a shovel, would they not just die? Like you could crush the head with it. Yeah, but you've got to destroy the brain. Hit him a bunch. Hit him a bunch. What if you've got like five coming at you? What are you can do? Hit him a bunch. 
You're going to be dead. I'm not staying with you. For Baseball bat with spikes. With like nails. See, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking about the spikes, but then I was like, no, because that'll get like lodged in. Do you know what I mean? Because there's more than one sort of thing that can get stuck somewhere. Which is why I was thinking, baseball bat with like a knife. I think it all really depends on how brave you are because obviously you could go for like a bow and arrow. You could go for like a crossbow. You could, but then you need the ammunition. So you've got to go yeah. collect it or you've got to find more. And or you could go for like um, Andrea in The Walking Dead when she had the screwdriver. She put it through like their eye. Oh no, fuck that. I'm not getting that close. But yeah, you got to get that. close. No. I mean, we have shotguns in the UK. They're so loud though. True. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. My brother's got an axe. Pretty small, though. Anyway, so we're going to start doing this uh, this new thing for each of our stories where we're going to rate them on a couple scales. So I'm going to ask you some questions. How scary do you think this whole thing is? I, well, okay. How scary do I think the evidence you have provided me with is? One out of five. You don't think it's very scary? Are we doing it out of five or out of ten? Five. Five. No, I don't. Because you've got rats that willingly kill themselves, bugs that make other bugs make a nest for it, and then they eat bugs. You've got a guy that ate a face. People do crazy stuff all the time. Like, it's horrible for the guy that got his face eaten, but, like, there wasn't exactly an uprising about it. It was a... I feel like an actual zombie apocalypse, five out of five super scary fuck that because there's nowhere to hide you think about the amount of population on earth if we're talking like one country gets infected like if we as an island got infected it's fine you can just leave fair enough but if the whole world got infected what you can do there's no salvation really you gotta restart yeah. How likely is it that we could experience a zombie apocalypse based on the evidence I just gave you? One out of five. Really? Yeah, I'm sorry, but... You think my story sucked? No, I don't. <laughs> I think it was interesting to learn, but... Knowing stuff about the brain, it doesn't... It's not like you've got like the inner circle, which is like, you know, you will survive at all costs... I mean, it kind of is, but it's not like, oh, you know, I'm going to kill anything I see for food. Fair enough. I kind of I saw the brain in this is like a cherry. And the cherry bit is the good part, and then the seed in the middle is the bad part. Well, you don't have a bad part of the brain. No, I meant like the, the instinct part, the zombie bit that I was mentioning. Well, it's like, do you know about Freud? Yes. How you've got like the id, the ego, and the superego? Sort of. Think of the brain more as that. I'm not saying he's right. But, you know, you've got the id, which is like your primal kind of wants. Mm -hmm. So that is kind of like the pip of the cherry. It's not like a bad bit. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I don't think that, they, that it could cause a zombie apocalypse. I think if a zombie apocalypse was going to happen, it would be from like a chemical having been made for war or something. Because we've got some pretty nasty war chemicals that have been used in the past. Yeah, definitely. I think it would probably be a synthetic thing. That makes sense. So. 
Well, my next question was going to be, how dangerous is this? Like, what's the threat level? But I'm going to guess you're going to say low, based on everything else. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got Kapu, rats. Um, I guess... I mean, there's, there's always a threat. You know what I mean? I'd give it a three out of five. Because you don't know what caused the Bartolt guy. I've got to call him that, I'm sorry. Like, it's just what, I, what I've known him as for the past eight years. Um, he wasn't on bath salts. No, I know, but that's what I mean. You don't know what caused it, so... I don't think the threat of zombies is a three out of five, but I think the threat is a three out of five. Something's going on. Fair enough. Something happened to that guy. Well, let us know what you think about zombies, and if you like zombies... In our store, we have some really cool zombie print that we will date and sign for you if you want to buy it. Uh, MythsMagicAndMurder.Weebly.com These transitions, man. <laughs> you like them? Yeah, that's something. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at MythsMagicPod. And also you can donate on our website if you want to help us out with cash, join our Patreon, all that kind of stuff. Did someone say Patreon? Yes. Well, let me tell you about it. We've got different episodes that will be going up monthly we have got things ranging from shout outs to customized cards and prints and etc go have a little look peruse and we've got links to paypal on our website and also you can buy us a coffee if you don't fancy spending that much yeah we just updated our patreon as well and we're gonna have like extra scary stories as well as episodes and stuff so if you want to join go get a look um if you want a direct link it's patreon.com forward slash magic pod and if you don't have any cash but you want to support us, then you can go and just like our stuff on social medias, give us a review on iTunes, and that'll really help us out. Uh, yeah, missmagicandmurder.weebly.com. Wow. There it goes. Self-promo. Every episode. <laughs> right, so I am going to be talking about the Ripper crew. So I've got a content warning. My story mentions sexual assault. There's graphic gore. Don't listen if you don't feel like you want to. We had a discussion. It's why I'm going second. I was going to go first, but just stop listening now if you don't want to hear about any of it. And there will be helplines in the description of the episode if anything does affect you in a negative way. So my sources that I used are chicago.cbslocal.com, Murderpedia, Wikipedia, listverse.com, an episode of American Occult that looked at the Ripper crew, Evil Serial Cut, Evil Serial Killers in the Minds of Monsters by Charlotte Grieg, Chicago Tribune, CVLNation, CVSNation.com, sorry, AllThat'sInteresting.com, Legal.com has got the case of the trial, and CrimeOnline.com. Awesome. <clears throat> June 2nd, 1981, at 11am. Police were called because there was an awful smell at a motel. The manager thought that it was a hit deer because there was a highway nearby. This was 20, 25 miles outside of Chicago. In America, obviously. Just to clear everything up. When the police went and they had a look, they found a woman with her hands bound behind her back, face down in the weeds. Her body was very decomposed. She had no pants on, her underwear was down by her thighs, she had $17 tucked in her sock, and she was eventually found to be 26-year-old Linda Sutton, 
She was killed more recently than the police had thought. Because obviously you see a super decomposed body, you think it's been there for a while. You think it's old, yeah. Yeah. She'd only been dead for three days when she was found. Bugs had taken the easiest entry to the body, which was through stab wounds in her upper body. And the place where her breast used to be. Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. I see why you did a content warning. Yes. So... In the documentary that I watched, I mentioned it in the sources, uh, there was a super interesting woman. She was a professor in forensic science and her name is Catherine Ramsland. And she kind of says, like, why would anyone do this? You know, kind of profiling as we go along. Yeah. And she said, why would someone remove a body part? It can be one of three reasons. Paraphilia, so sexual practice. It can be symbolic, so representative of the female in this case, to do something to it, to empower whoever it is and number three is for a souvenir or memento yeah i was thinking souvenir maybe so sex workers used to hide money in their socks so they thought that someone was a sex worker the authorities um because like i said it was 25 miles outside of chicago they phoned chicago pd but they couldn't link the body to someone that had lived in chicago so they didn't get involved There were no real leads, so the case went cold. So I'm going to stop here already to ask, realistically, why do you think it went cold? What do you mean? Well, because they said that where she was a sex worker, she didn't really have many connections that would have noticed she was gone. But I was kind of thinking it could be inexperienced officers because it's a suburb. But also, when you find the money in that sock and you realise you're dealing with a dead sex worker, it's kind of like Jack the Ripper when everyone was like, oh well. That's kind of what I was thinking. He thought it was just because she was a sex worker. Yeah, they don't care as much. Yeah, it's rough, in it? Oh well, another criminal we don't need anyway. Yeah, it's really hard. Because they said in the documentary, they were like, Oh, you know, they just couldn't find any connections. And I'm like, this girl's 26. She lives near Chicago. She may have lived in Chicago. Do you really think she wouldn't have had any connections? Yeah. And, you know, saying that they didn't look into it because they thought she was a sex worker isn't right. Like, I don't believe that that's a good thing. But I think that's no, not probably what happened. Because, And I'm not saying it's what happened. You oh, know? no. I don't know the, but, the people on the case. but I mean, this kind of thing happens, though. You know what I mean? Yeah it's awful because they have no one to chase them yeah so anyway february 12th 1982 a cocktail waitress was abducted from her car that had run out of fuel her purse and keys were still there so it wasn't a robbery her body was soon found and she'd been raped tortured and mutilated her breast had been removed just days later the body of a hispanic woman was found I can't find a name online, but she had also been raped. And although her breasts were still on her body, they'd been badly bitten. Just after 9am on May 15th, police got a call that Lorraine Borowski, otherwise known as Laurie, was abducted from her real estate office where she was opening up shop. Employees got to the office and found it odd that the door was still locked because apparently Laurie was a pretty dependable woman. There were keys and cosmetics laying around, just outside the front of the office. There were also shoes, so it appeared that she'd been grabbed and literally lifted away. 
Her mother, also Lorraine Borowski, went straight to Laurie's apartment upon hearing that her daughter had disappeared. Nothing was there. All that her family could do was hand out posters and talk to anyone that knew Laurie to try and see if there were any any leads. Obviously, the police were on it as well. Her mother said in an interview, and this really, oh, it just, it upset me so much. (laughs) Is this when you came and cried to me? Yeah. Her mother said in an interview that she used to carry around a white sheet so that if she were to find her body, she could cover her. Oh my God. I know. I broke my fucking heart. She was crying so much. Oh no. Yeah. Are you okay? Oh, I'm just, it was so sad to watch. So Detective John Milner is a hypnotist and he was working on the case as far as I'm aware. The detective is also a hypnotist? Yeah. That's so cool. (laughs) Um, And he used hypnotism to try and get witnesses to give information they may have forgotten. Cool, yeah. He did this with some people that were around when Laurie was taken. And one recalled that there was an orange or a red van that was around the parking area. This was another dead end. Two weeks after Laurie went missing, so May 29th, Shui Mack went missing from Hanover Park. She'd been taken from a walk home from the family restaurant. She was originally riding along with her brother in the car, in his car, but they got into an argument, so she got out, he drove off, and thought the rest of his family was driving behind, so they'd pick her up. Instead, she started walking home, and she was taken. That's so sad. She was missing for four months until eventually her body was found mutilated. The victims were hacked at. Several were beaten awfully. In every case, their breasts had at least been slashed. And in most of the cases, this brutality occurred anti-mortem, so before death. Police couldn't figure out a motive. It was obvious that all of the victims were women, but they were all different ages, different races, worked different jobs, and all of their valuable belongings were left behind. Five months after her abduction, Laurie's case was still unsolved. This is so tragic. Mm -hmm. Angel York, who was a sex worker, was also a victim. However, she'd survived. She was in critical condition, but she was able to tell the police that she'd been put into a red van, and inside, two men had handcuffed her, raped her, then forced her to cut at her own breast with a large knife. Oh my god. She'd complied, and when she did, one man went into a frenzy cut her breast more, masturbated into the wound, and then sealed it shut with tape and dumped her on the street. I think I'd like to leave. (laughs) The content warning wasn't for you. You don't get to leave. I wish it was, because I would (laughs) like to leave. Five days later, so after Angel's attack, Laurie's body was found. It was in a suburban cemetery. Her family had searched there previously, with her mother saying she was 10 feet from her body and didn't know it. Oh my god. When the body was examined, her breast was also missing, linking the victims together. There wasn't another attack until August 28, 1982, when the body of Sandra Delaware was found on the bank of the Chicago River. She again fit the modus operandi. Then, on September 8th, Rose Davis was found in an alley with identical injuries to Sandra. Less than two weeks after, both Carol Pappas went missing, as well as Rose Beck Davis. Rose was later found stabbed, raped and strangled, with deep cuts evident on her breasts. 
Then, on the 6th of October, or the 6th of December, half of my sources said one, half of them said the other, so... It's okay. I wasn't there. Another sex worker... Good. Yeah, (laughs) tell me about it. Another sex worker, Beverly Washington, is attacked, with her left breast having been amputated and her right breast slashed. In addition, she's battered and bruised and dumped on the railroad, but somehow still alive. Damn. She was in critical condition, but relayed the events to police through actions and pen and paper. Because she had, like, a breathing tube in. Yeah. She said she was handcuffed, and then someone forced her to take some pills. He then took a length of piano wire and wrapped it around one of her breasts, and he kept pulling and tightening the wire until she passed out. Next thing she knew, she was in hospital. She gave a description of the man, but nothing came of it. She also said she was put into an old red van, similar to what had been reported at Laurie's scene and at Angel's scene. She said there was a plywood separation in the van and that there were two feathers hanging from the mirror, one blue and one white. An APB was put out on the vehicle. She says that... Um, I'm sorry, I've just written... She said she gave a description of the vehicle again for some reason. Soon after, a bright red van was spotted in Chicago that fitted the exact description. The van was pulled over and 21-year-old Edward Spritzer was questioned, and he said that the van wasn't his, it belonged to his boss, Robin Gecht. When police went to visit Robin, they saw that he fit the exact description that Angel had given them previously. They brought him in for questioning, but he was calm and claimed no knowledge of anything. The night of the attack on the, the sex worker, he said he was at home with his wife, Police wanted to do a lineup, but Beverly was still in critical condition, so police brought the lineup to her in hospital. Wow. I can't believe how traumatic that must have been. Oh yeah, horrific. But but and she it, picked Robin out immediately. It's good that they at least were like, We need to do this immediately. Yeah. They were like, We need to do this sooner rather than later. Yeah. Robin was charged with aggravated battery and deviant sexual assault. He posted bail and basically just Hightailed it out of there. A warrant went out for Robin's arrest, and the police began to thought he may have had an accomplice. They look at Edward Spritzer, who was the one driving the car. He was jumpy, nervous, and seemed fearful. They did a series of intense interviews with him, and he broke down. Edward said to police that he and Robin picked up the women, stabbed them, and then Robin removed their breasts as part of a ritual. As Edward described it, Robin ripped the wound open after the amputation and had sex with the wound. Apparently, Robin thought that this could be explained because he came from a long line of males that all had breast fetishes. Um, don't think those two are particularly linked. There's a bit of a difference between liking big boobs and fucking a wound. Yeah, those are quite different. Hmm. I hate it, but yeah. From here, the breasts are apparently used in ceremonies. The ceremony consisted of going into Robin's attic, which he called the Satanic Chapel, and they would sit around the table and read passages of the Satanic Bible. From here, they would masturbate into the breast that had been cut off, then chop it up and eat it. This is all so much. I feel like everything you say is never what I think is going to be next. (laughs) Every time? Mm hmm. Edward confessed to seven murders, including Laurie, and mentions a man called Andrew 
Cocorales. He was 19. Andrew implicated himself in 18 murders, including the ones that I just read out. Apparently, Andrew claimed that all three of them would have sex with the wounds, and Robin liked this because it was a fetish not only to have sex with the wound, but to watch others do it too. An ex-neighbour told police that Robin liked to read books about torture practices of ancient cultures. Of course. (laughs) That's not a red flag. Robin's ex-girlfriend came forward to police and said that he used to demand she cut off her own nipple, and if she wouldn't, someone else would. Also a red flag. Uh Uh-huh. That one's a bigger red flag. (laughs) Police interviewed Andrew's brother, Thomas, to find out more about Andrew. However, Thomas then implicated himself in the crimes, describing how the lot of them raped, tortured, and murdered Laurie. He recalled throwing Laurie into a hotel room on the bed. From here, they gagged and bound her, then two of them started beating her. After this, they had sex with her, then took a three to four foot wire, put it around the left breast, squeezing until it had been amputated. Then Thomas agreed with previous statements, saying that they had sex with the wound. Afterwards, they took an axe and started chopping. Thomas said that the breast removal was Robin's idea, and all of the boys went along with it because Robin had special powers. He said that all three of them were terrified of Robin. Robin was sentenced to 120 years in a correctional centre. Nice. Interestingly, he was never charged with murder, because the other boys wouldn't testify against him, and there wasn't enough evidence to place him as a murderer. He's the only one of the boys that didn't plead guilty. However, he was charged with the attempted murder, rape, and battery of Beverly Washington, the one that was dumped on the railroad. He's eligible for parole in 2022. Edward was sentenced to death, but the execution was no longer used in Illinois, and he was resentenced to serve six life sentences, plus more than 400 years for the variety of crimes excluding murder. Andrew was sentenced to death, and was executed by lethal injection on the 16th of March 1999. He was the last person to be executed in Illinois. That's interesting. Thomas was sentenced to life, but because of a legal error, a new trial was ordered. However, he was allowed to plead guilty for Laurie's murder in exchange for a 70-year sentence. However, although the sentence was 70 years, he could serve only 35 due to good behaviour. He was nearly released in 2017, but he didn't have an approved place to stay during his supervised release. Finally, in March 2019, he was released. Oh, now he lives in a halfway house in Aurora, Illinois. No one knows how many victims there really are of the Ripper crew, but it's estimated to be around 20. Fun fact, Robin used to work as a construction subcontractor for none other than John Wayne Gacy, a.k.a. Pogo the Clown. Uh. (laughs) And he claimed that Gacy should have disposed of his victims by dumping them rather than keeping them under the crawl spaces of his home. And, looking at Gacy's case, there was one that Gacy couldn't have committed because he was out of town. Oh. Now, I'm not saying (laughs) that it was him. But I'm not saying it wasn't him. We've solved so many crimes. Where's our Netflix deal? (laughs) Yeah, but, I mean, it wouldn't really make that much sense because Robin only went for women. He had an obvious MO. Yeah. So, 
that is the story of the Ripper crew. Well, I told you it'd be depressing. It's not necessarily depressing. It's just a lot to process. Yeah. And I feel kind of nauseous. Mm-hmm. At least there was justice, you know? Oh, yeah, for sure. It could have been worse. They could have not found them. Yeah. But. So, how scary would you rate that? Five. <laughs> five for all. <laughs> I hated that, Kate. I hated it. Yeah. Very interesting. But I hated it. Mm-hmm. And Edward said that he used to drive around with Robin in the car. And Robin would be in the passenger seat. And he would just tell Edward when to stop. When he saw a girl that he wanted. I hate it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter. Some were at night. Some were at 9am. Like when she was trying to open up the estate agency. Some were sex workers. Some it weren't. Just, it, it didn't was, care. It was just if you were a woman, you were fucked. Yeah. That's horrific. I hate that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, five scare, five threat, five credibility. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. Well, you can't... I mean, you can't deny that it's credible because it Oh, happened. yeah, there's evidence. But it's so dangerous because there's not even... Uh, it's not even like it just happened at night. You know, you can't even just stay inside. Yeah, there's no way to protect yourself, really. Yeah, it's if you're a woman and you... Exist. Yeah live there yeah it was horrible it was horrible researching it but i thought it was deserving of an episode no it's very interesting yeah very interesting just intense yep well thank you for listening to this episode (laughs) (laughs) yeah sorry that it was such a hard-hitting topic at the end also zombies am i right (laughs) yeah so if you enjoyed that don't forget to come back next week yeah we'll we'll talk about more stuff completely different probably yeah (laughs) yeah and um don't listen before bed honestly yeah for this one don't listen before bed (laughs) because you'll have really messed up dreams you will